Welcome back to the Love Your Story podcast. Today, I am interviewing Michael Anthony of Think Unbroken. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Michael Anthony was born to a hyper-abusive drug addict mother who cut off his finger when he was four years old, a stepfather you pray you never have, and a racist grandmother who pushed him into an identity crisis. By the time he was nine, his family was often homeless and certainly living in poverty, and he was eventually adopted by this same grandmother. He turned to drugs and alcohol to survive the continued abuse. There's a lot more to Michael's story. Now, he's the author of the best-selling book, Think Unbroken. I want you to stay tuned for my interview with Michael, the rest of his story, and his thoughts on how we heal, how we create mind shifts, and how to leverage our own inner strength. Stay tuned. Stories are our lives and language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. A little more about Michael. Despite learning disabilities and not graduating high school on time, Michael found success in corporate America in his early 20s. But he says success only made things worse. He found himself morbidly obese, high and drunk daily, and ultimately self-sabotaging everything around him. It wasn't until he decided to do whatever it took to heal from his childhood trauma that his life really began. So I want to welcome you on, Michael. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Lori, thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here with you. So I want to start out with your story because that's what we do here. We tell our stories. Will you take us back to your childhood and what are some of your main memories so we can see who you were and where you came from? Yeah, you know, I, I think storytelling is such an important facet of just human nature. And I grew up in Indianapolis. My mother, she's a drug addict and alcoholic. She cut my right index finger off when I was only four. My stepfather, super hyper abusive. Um, the kind of guy like, seriously, go, please don't ever let this person be my father. And and this was all while the juxtaposition of being in poverty, constantly homeless. Um, I mean, we were poor to the point where I would literally have to steal water from the neighbor's outside spigot on their home in the middle of August, Indiana summer. So we had water in our home. By the time that I was 12, my grandmother adopted me. Now I'm biracial, both black and white. And my grandma was this really old racist white lady from this town in Tennessee you've never heard of. And so by the time that I'm 12, I'm finding coping mechanisms and drugs and alcohol. And that just be kind of became my teens. The abuse that I suffered was so intense in childhood that being intoxicated and self-medicated felt like bliss in comparison to that. And, you know, I was doing the wrong things because I didn't know what not to do. And I was running with gangs and carrying guns and breaking into houses and stealing cars and hurting people and all of those things that, you know, I don't think children should be exposed to. And I got expelled from school my sophomore year, but luckily got put into a last chance program. Fast forward a few more years, I end up not graduating high school on time. 
I, I just didn't care. No part of me was interested because I had seen real life. I'd seen my friends getting murdered. I'd seen my friends going to jail, my family members in prison for life, me having run-ins with the cops and, and just looking at it and thinking like school's not real. The only thing that makes sense is how do I get out? And, and you know, what's really fascinating is I never had goals or dreams or ambitions, Lori. The only thing I ever cared about was like, don't die. Right. Survival. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, so this is gruesome, but since I know some people are thinking about it, how did your mom cut your finger off? You know, there, there's a couple of stories that have floated around the family. And one is that it was an accident, that it happened in a bike. Um, however, that doesn't seem to hold true to her personality or her personality was. And the other stories are that my my grandmother would tell me that she did it to get back at my father who abandoned me when I was young. And the other stories that she was just so high, she didn't know what she was doing. So flip a coin, really, you know, and I don't, I don't know, I'll ever, I'll ever have the truth. I, I confronted her before she died about it. And, you know, uh, one day I'd get one story, the next day I get another. So your guess is as good as mine. And I tried to contact the hospital in which I had the, the, the skin grafts and the bone grafts done, but they expunged all the records after a decade. And so I'm kind of just in the, uh, the abyss with it. So your mother's passed away then. Yes. And do you have any contact with your father? I never met my father. Um, so no. Okay. Um, what about your grandmother? No, she died also um, when I was in my early 20s. And so you're, that was you're really off on your own then, aren't you? I, I'm, I'm kind of like an orphan in the world. And so are my brothers. So we're not really orphans. We're together. But, you know, it, it's, it, it's such a stereotypical poverty stricken minority community experience. Like, I'm, I'm not unique in that. No, no. Well, you said that there was a mirror moment where you chose to do what it took to heal. At what point in your life did you suddenly feel like there's something more to survival here? There's something more that needs to be done? You know, I, I, I thought that the solution for poverty was money. And, you know, to go from constantly being homeless and from all the abuse, things that like don't even seem real until I like sit with it and have these moments and memories and, you know, put it out in the world. I, I thought to myself, okay, I've, I've got to figure this out. And so that must be money. And I knew that I couldn't make money the way I was because long-term it wasn't viable. I was going to end up debtor in jail. And I said to myself, I'm going to step into corporate America I'm going to figure out how to navigate this and make $100,000 by the time I was 21. That was the goal. And so what happened was I put myself in the situation to figure out how to do that. And by the time I was 20, I landed a job with a Fortune 50 company, like unheard of for a kid who didn't even graduate high school on time, right? How did and you do that? Uh, well, part of it was because I, I I love the challenge of figuring out how to navigate what people tell me is impossible. And so in that, I said to myself, what does it take? And I just started looking at how do you make a really good resume? How do you make a really good cover letter? How do I take the experiences that I've had in youth and put them into a way that they're, they're something that means something to a corporation who's hiring for a position, right? And, and effectively, it was an assistant role, which turned into a sales role. And by the time I was 21, literally October, my birthday, the year I turned 21, I got my first check for $10,000. Now, what does it have to do with your question? Everything. Because here's what happened. Money exacerbated all the problems in my life. 
the thing that people always say that I don't think you recognize till it happens is that money brings out who you really are at the time that you have it. So it was more excess, right? More money, more clothes, more cars, more women, more things that didn't matter or bring value to my life. Next thing you know, I'm waking up, I'm heading into being 26 years old. I had had a suicide attempt. I was laying in bed. I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, like sleeping till 11 o'clock in the morning. And this one particular morning, I'm like laying there watching the CrossFit games. And I'm like, what is happening to your life right now? And, and it was an accumulation, Lori, of so many just awful some things that had happened where I was faced with this moment of recognizing, like, if you don't do something, you're going to die. And then the next day, after waking up hungover again, getting ready to go and do a convention and having this in front of me wearing a size 4XL shirt, size 47 pants. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, enough. What the hell are you going to do about your life? And that was the moment because I, I recognized that as a child, I had this memory of going and, and taking water from the spigot of our neighbor's home so that we had water in our house and promising myself, like, you will never live this life. And at the time that meant money, but what it actually transmuted into what it actually meant was living on other people's terms because everyone said, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. You're not strong enough. You're not handsome enough. I got it from all sides. My mother, my stepfather, my peers, teachers, students, like I was in the worst situation imaginable. And then as an adult, I put myself in that. And I had to have this moment where I sat with myself and I said, enough of your own crap. What are you going to do? And that really turned into this moment of clarity and recognizing that I had to take responsibility for my life because I'd found success in, in corporate before. And that's easy. Anyone can go and get a job and make money. That's not hard. Loving yourself is the most difficult thing you'll ever do. And I challenged myself to figure out how to do that because the only experience I ever had was everyone telling me that I can't. I want to point out two things here. The first is that you are one of those people in heart and soul that is a survivor. I mean, you you had those aha moments twice. Once when it was, I need to make money, so I need to survive, I need to live. And at, at that point in time, it was, I need to make money. And then you did that and you got to the point where you realized, okay, it's time to pivot again. I've made a mess of this. What is the next thing? But what I notice in you is that survival instinct and also the self-discipline, enough self-discipline to change instead of to get sucked into that swamp. And that is a champion soul. So first of all, congratulations to you, Michael, for, for being that type of soul, because that is not easy. Those are the hardest spaces and you, you triumphed and kept pivoting in each of those. So congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I'll say this, like discipline when deployed incorrectly is chaos. And, mm. and that was my experience, you know, getting to that, that rock bottom moment. Yeah, of course I had discipline for destroying my life. You know what happens when you have discipline for intention and clarity? Really beautiful things. Mm, okay, so tell us about that. How did actual healing begin? 
it was, you know, I made a declaration of myself, you know, that, that, what are you willing to do moment was very much about, all right, you have all this darkness. And, and I believe we all kind of know, we know that thing we need to be doing. And for years, I'd been going to a therapist, paying them hundreds of dollars of my money and literally just telling them what I thought they wanted to hear, because that made me feel good about my decisions, right? Not recognizing that that is probably one of the most moronic things that you can do. And so my declaration myself in that moment was get serious about this step into vulnerability step into the fact that you were hurt that you were beaten that you were abused that you were molested that you were homeless that you were starved that you were locked in closets get into the truth of the fact that you had had all these moments that are so terrible that they wouldn't even make a horror movie about them get into the truth that the only way that you're going to create something sustainable in your life is you're going to have to step into the vulnerability of acknowledging that bad things happened and with that acknowledgement came a sense of freedom because I recognized that I didn't have to carry that with me anymore. And what that meant was now I have to learn how to navigate it. Not that it was going to go away magically. I tried to get over it. That doesn't work. I tried stuffing it down. That doesn't work. I tried drinking it away. That doesn't work. What works is confronting it and looking it in the face and saying enough, I'm going to do something. Screw you. This is my life. Let me show you what I can do. And and part of it was I had this huge chip on my shoulder and I looked at it and I said, if I can be successful in these other areas of my life, why do I hate myself? Because of the garbage that other people put in my front yard. And the reality is whether or not you like it, when somebody throws trash in your front yard, you're not good enough, smart enough, capable enough. It is your responsibility to clean it up. And we're not culpable for the things that happen to us in our youth. And that's the thing people have to understand. I don't take any responsibility for the things that happened to me as a child, not my job. However, that said, I, what I didn't understand was my job was to heal. My job was to go and learn and grow and put myself in a position of being incredibly uncomfortable by doing the opposite of everything I had ever done. And that meant going to therapy with intention, going to men's group therapy, leaving Indiana, going to personal growth conferences, reading all the books, being the only person in a room full of PhD and doctoral candidates who doesn't have a college education, who's in these continuing education classes, because I had to know. And all of that was about what are you willing to do? And my declaration to myself was anything it takes. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our episode sponsor. This show is brought to you by the 21 Challenges Group Platform. If you are a leader of a group, any type of group, book club, network marketing, employee group, a youth group, a friend group, and you're in need of a fun, fresh, positive way to connect during this disconnected time, we've got an online program that'll create fun, stretching connection and engagement with your team. Your team will get a fully immersive platform for the 21 challenges and weekly coaching with Lori Lee as we spend three weeks creating awesome possibility. Loveyourstorypodcast.com and look for the group link. Does it ever amaze you that you made it through all of those things, that that litany that you had earlier of all the things you had made it through? Do you ever just stand in awe of yourself? It's insane. Like, like, like when I sit and I, if I were to lay it out on a table and look at it, I would go, this is not plausible. 
right? I would look at it and go, this doesn't make sense. And look, I gave you the elevator pitch. If I told you the whole story, like you might have to go to therapy with me next time. And like the (laughs) thing about this is like people go through incredibly tumultuous events in their lives and everyone is resilient, but the difference in people who like find success in their life and who don't are the people who recognize that they have to ask for help. And I didn't understand that for a really long time. And so there were moments in that where there was help there, right? I had a teacher who failed me. Had he not done that my senior year, I would have never gotten that job because I never would have been in the position to have to go to summer school to have to learn how to write a resume in a business class, right? And had I not had these experiences of being homeless and living with all these different families, I never would have understood that there's another side of the coin. Right. And so part of it is maybe you call it luck. I don't know, but I look at it and go, well, I understand this about the world. I understand this about myself. Maybe, maybe it's lucky that I made it through, but maybe I was supposed to. And, and I argue with fate and universe and God and spirit all the time. Trust me, I do. But at some point you just got to be like, shut up and just go live. One of the things that we do on Love Your Story, I mean, the very name is Love Your Story, is coming to a place of acceptance of all of the things, the light and the dark that have happened to us so that we can love our own stories, so that we can move forward. So your story is very perfect for our show because this is what we talk about all the time, coming to a place of reframing things that went badly. And you just did that for me with a number of things. If Instead of looking at the fact that I was failed in this class and everybody's out to get me and another teacher did me wrong, instead you frame that and look at that and say, if that wouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have put me on the path that led me to this better thing. And so often we find that if we backtrack from the good things in our lives and we take it like seven steps back, how did I get here? Oftentimes we find that it was something tragic or difficult or disappointing and the steps that led us from that to where we are, you know, is, is instigated by something negative. So there's a lot of reframing that we can do that can bless us in becoming unbroken. Yeah. And, and it's about personal responsibility. I totally. mean, that, that's a really hard word for people to digest. Responsibility. That means you are responsible for all of the things that happen in your life. And, and I look at it and, and it wasn't always true because I think, again, you can't always be culpable for things that happen. But there's also a period in time where you have to look at it and go, everything that happens is my fault both good and bad, right? It's my fault that I have success in my life and that I love myself. And it's also my fault when I falter and I fall down, but I'm always looking for data points of growth. How how do you turn this into something positive? There's always space to learn. I think it is within our, I, I don't like the our fault. And we can have a conversation about this, but there are a lot of things that happen to us that we do not have control over because other people have agency and they use that agency to inflict things upon us. But what we do have control over is how we react to it. If we take responsibility for our own action in response to that. And I think there's a I think there's a difference there between we're not responsible for what happens to us, but we are responsible for how we respond to it and where we allow that to how we allow that to move us forward. Would you agree? 100% So you have a whole platform called Unbroken, Think Unbroken. Tell us, how do we think unbroken? 
Think Unbroken is very much within the guise of what you just said. It's about creating an understanding that you did not previously have, right? It's about looking at the world through acknowledgement, through understanding, and through ultimately how do you build and create the person that you want to be. Like, I think about this all the time. The Michael here speaking with you right now is effectively a caricature of the idea of the person that I wanted to be, that I was terrified of stepping into. And so how do you create that? How do you build that? How do you change your mindset? How do you learn compassion and tools and healing and reparent and ultimately do all the things that other people realistically should have guided you into? Right. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of adults in the world who live right now who have no idea how to be a person. Now, the other part of it, which is very, very important, is defining who you are as a self-defined narrative. It's about how do you understand your wants, needs, interests, values, personal boundaries? How do you create the framework? How do you hold yourself accountable? How do you every single day do the thing that you say you're going to do, especially on the days when it's hard, because that's the most important. It's about building courage and capacity and companionship and trust and healing and health and all of the things that we need. And ultimately Think Unbroken came because I was sitting and I was looking at the world through a scope of understanding that says, if you are somehow been impacted by mental health ailments, if you grew up against the status quo, if you're different, you're broken. And that's not true. And the thing is, like, how do we replace that narrative on your terms? It's about personal power. I like that. So how do you do that? How do you help people do that? everything, right? It's from creating the understanding. So let me me frame it like this. About five years ago, I created this five-day in-person workshop that was based on the understanding that I had of being in these PhD rooms and the personal growth seminars and all the things that happened and understanding that something was missing in it, right? And that something was the immediate intrinsic reflection of the understanding that you just had to create a reframing, right? You'd go to do these things and they'd be like, okay, well, good luck, right? Whatever that thing was. Instead of pausing for a moment and sitting in it and looking at it and go, this is the newfound understanding that I have about myself in the world. So how do I solidify that and create sovereignty in my life? And so it's it's a couple phases, right? Part of it is the study, which I've been, I've taken the curriculum of Think Unbroken and I've created a self-study through it because I found that through the exercise of writing, it was one of the most practical tools that I had in creating an assessment of an understanding of where I was. So is this how com- is this how people go through it? Then I guess I'm asking about how your products. How how do you take people on? This yeah, path? so so that, that that's a part of it, and then the okay. other part of it is the sitting and actual have of the conversation, right? I think one of the most important things about coaching and mentorship is is having a conversation where you relay experiences and understanding to help people. Because you know, I think about this. One of my greatest moments of like leaping up in scale of who I am was sitting and talking to my coach because I thought about this for a long time. And I used to think that personal growth was stupid. And what I understand about it is that if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. And so it's very much about how do I leverage the tools and understandings that I have in the world to sit with you in connection as a human being and have a back and forth conversation and help you understand the world through a different narrative while creating a pathway to what it is that you want to be. 
Mm. It's obviously complicated, right? Because it's reframing, it's cognitive behavioral, it's NLP, it's everything. And, and ultimately the goal is what I always think about is, can you come and sit with me? And on the backside of it, can you leave with having a different understanding than who you were 45 minutes ago? You know what I find that's really fascinating working with people and reframing their stories is I started out with, um, I have a five-step program for reframing stories and I did five episodes in hopes that people could use them. You know, listen, each episode went into detail about that step and listen to it and use it and try it. But I have found since then that we are so entrenched in whatever stories we have, like you mentioned, they are built upon things that people have said to us from the time we were small or responses we've gotten from people. They're very deeply ingrained in us. And that so often in order to reframe a story, we have to have someone with an outside perspective that can say, no, what about this? Look at this different narrative about what happened and how does that fit or how does that feel to you? And I really, the power of, a, of an insightful and wise coach, the power of an outside person to do that is immensely powerful, just immensely needed too, because I, even me having the background I have, having a master's degree in personal narrative is all the research that is where my academic research was. And even with all of that, when it came to my personal stories and needing to reframe, I had to have somebody else help me do it. So it's a very big deal. And, and often it's, it's not possible to do on your own. Yeah. You said that in such a succinct way versus what I had just said, where it's like, yes, it's so true. And it's about the parlay because we're, we're a communal species. And like, even like, I think about this right now, I'm, I'm in this course, I'm just wrapped this trauma certification and the way that I got to the end of it is like, I actually had to be in connection with a human being and talk it through. So I understood because the video didn't help and the book didn't help. It was like, make this make sense to my brain, right? So I'm in total agreement with you. It's so much about that moment of connection because you get to see in a different way. I agree. So what is one thing that we could do right now, the listeners could do right now to create a mindset shift? Do you have any tips? Is that too much simplification or, you know, just something they could work on? You know, I think it's more simple than people want to be led to believe it is. And I think the, like, if I were to give a tip, let, let me parlay this. Cause I think it's really important. One is you have to recognize that acknowledgement is actually power. And acknowledgement is power because what happens is when you step into creating a framework of understanding who you are based on the sum total of your experience of what led you to where you are, that means you can create a shift. Because if you're just kind of floating around wondering how you got here, you're just going to keep wondering how you got here. But when you sit with it and you acknowledge and say, I think some of these things that happened probably led me to this place, that gives you a little bit of a sense of freedom. And you have to do that with compassion and with grace and with hope that on the other side, something beautiful comes of it because you have to ride the shame spiral and you have to get through the guilt trip and it's hard and it's difficult and it's uncomfortable. And the other part of that is, can you get to the place where you're willing to acknowledge, right? Acknowledgement, where you're willing to acknowledge that you need help. No one has ever done anything great on their own. 
That's not how we work as human beings. It's not within our capacity. If you want to step into creating change in your life, you have to be willing to step into the idea that you probably need support and help is not weak. And I will argue anyone all day till I die that asking for help is the strongest thing that you will ever do. And I think that it's incredibly important to accept the messiness with, like you say, with compassion and also with a sense of reverence, if I dare say that, because I think those hard and messy and dirty places are the things that teach us where we don't want to be and what we don't want. And they are the catalysts that take us to the places, to the good places, because when when they drive us to step out of them or give us greater understanding or greater empathy, in a way, there's a space that we can get to eventually that is holds a little bit of reverence for where that is. But I, but I think that the acceptance of messiness, the realization that everybody has that messy, that it's okay, it's not failure, it's the process of living, it's that human space and and getting, like you said, to a place of being willing to be open and ask for help and accept your whole life story the way that it is so that you can think forward and create what you want it to be in your own loving way is crucial. In, in your way, what you just said is absolutely spot on. It's your way. The, the measurement of who you are and who you can be should only be you versus you. This entire narrative that I, the way that I believe in the world, I think of it like literature. This is a you versus you story. And so we always are going to have people around us who want to bring us down. That's the way of the world. I'm sorry, it's unfair. But guess what? You don't have to listen to them and they don't have to have a spot at your table, right? The only thing that you have to do is when you look in the mirror, ask yourself, am I good with the decisions that I'm making in my life? And if you're not, then you have to ask yourself, well, what am I going to do about it? What pointers do you have when there are people in your life that you love that you don't want to abandon, that you want to be with, but they are broken and hurting and causing you a great deal of um, misery and pain because of the spaces they're in? How do you navigate something like that? I think it's the hardest thing that we do. No questions asked. At, At 18 years old, I looked at my mother and I said, you're not allowed to be in my life. Because I recognized that if she continued to stay, my life would spiral because there was too much drugs, too many things, too much abandonment that existed there. And every time she would step into, I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing, she would prove my hypothesis of she's probably lying to me because she needs something from me. And I had this moment at 18 years old, which is incredibly, and this is after putting a restraining on her order on her when I was 14. The hardest thing that you will do is hold true to your personal boundaries, because that means that you are having sovereignty in your life against what everyone else says. The universe and the world will always tell you family over everything, even if they're terrible people. But I don't agree with that. And I think that there comes a moment in which you have to make a declaration that my life is more important than your abuse. And in that, I looked at it and I said, this is what I have to do for me. And until the day that she died, I did not talk to her again. And it's not that I didn't want to, but you can only have someone lie to you so many times. And, you know, I'm all about second chances, but I don't know about 50th, right? And so the hard part is that 
it's a choice that you have to make. And when you make that choice, it doesn't always mean that they have to forever be gone. Right. And, and I think about this, my mother died a decade ago, right over a decade ago, excuse me. And if she were a different person today, perhaps this conversation would be different. I'd say, you know, I gave her the space and she went and did her healing journey and she came back and she was different. And I accepted that. And we bridged the gap. Because I think that there is a space to make amends, but it is earned. It is not deserved. And so if you're in that place and you're struggling and you're looking at it and people are taking from you and they're seething you and you're and you're you're trapped within this understanding of if they remain in my life, my life is going to feel daunting and dark and hard. You have to ask yourself a really hard question. And, you know, again, I think I might be the wrong person to answer this question because I don't think that there's space for people who steal from you. You know, I had a moment like that in my life where um, my second husband was emotionally abusive. And when I was trying to decide whether or not to leave the situation, I went into a space of talking with God and seeking, you know, personal clarity and revelation about it. And I, I had a piece of clarity come to me that was, oh, sort of a, I was looking at this crystal chandelier and it was lit up and it was beautiful. And there were, you know, all the crystals were pointing upward and light, but at the top, there were these little crystals that were falling down in sort of a, a, a waterfall cascade type of thing. And there was just this clarity in my mind that if I stayed in that relationship and where I was at that time was I was one of those drooping crystals. And that told me two things, that clarity, that the feeling that I got was that, Number one, I'm still a crystal. The fact that I am beat up, that I am emotionally devastated, that I am every day trying to stay on top of just not collapsing. I was still a crystal. I hadn't been squished and turned into something awful. But what I was was a place where light couldn't hit me, where I was drooping. And for me, that clarity was enough to know I'm not willing to stay in a place or with a person that is going to make me wilt like that, where I can't light up, where I can't be who I need to be. And that was my process of, of making those decisions with that. But it's definitely a personal process for everybody when they have to figure something like that out. Yeah, I think it's incredibly difficult. And, you know, even in that moment, I think about you had the stillness and the silence to like, take that in and sit with it. And then the heart, here's the hardest part about it is the action on the backside of it, right? Because then there comes a place where you're asking yourself, am I just making an excuse for the things that are happening in my life? I don't think that, and again, this is my opinion. I don't think that this is easy. I don't think any of this process is easy, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right choice. I agree. I don't think any of it's easy, but you know what? Growing and learning and overcoming and shining and moving toward the light, being healthy, None of those things are easy, but they're beautiful. You know, the process is refining and beautiful. And when you compare it to the other option, there's, you know, the choice to, to light up, to heal, to move toward love is so much better than the alternative. Yeah. But the other option is easier. Right. Oh, and I, and yeah. that's, that's how you get to that place. That's how, you know, at 25, 26 years old, I looked at my life as this rock bottom moment because I'd been taking the easy route and, you know, 
it's easy to take the easy route because it's not difficult. It doesn't make you discover who you are. It doesn't force you into the uncomfortable spot of having to ask yourself real questions. And, you know, every, every day I try to challenge myself. How can I make my life intentionally difficult in a healthy way so that I learn something about who I am? Tell us about the Unbroken podcast and the Think Unbroken Academy, because these are things that you have going on that support and help people, right? Yeah. So I just created a, a the Think on the Michael Unbroken podcast was was really started with me just kind of like nonchalantly creating content. And that was like the first three or four months of it. And then I got serious about it and it, it's going to eclipse a hundred episodes this year. And it's really about a lot of real life scenarios that I'm approached with through coaching um, or questions that people have. And I step into it and I go, well, how do we reframe this narrative? And sometimes I'm screaming at you. And sometimes it's very gentle and coddling because I think we need both. And then the other side of it is I have experts on people who I go, this doctor, this philosopher, this poet, this artist, this whomever, this person who has struggled and made it through, maybe their insight can give you something I can't. And so that's really what it's about is it's it's a community. It's a place for people to come and put something in their ears for an hour and say, I understand something different about myself in the world. And Think Unbroken Academy is, is just that. It's about taking those tools in different ways and capacities. And it's always changing and ebbing and flowing and growing and, and creating education, right? How do I distill down what I understand about the world in a way that's palatable, that you can consume on your time, that helps you establish and create a new understanding of who it is that you are? Because I look at this, there, there's nothing more important to me than education, nothing. And the reason that holds true is because I don't know anything. And if I'm not going to go out there and figure it out, then I'm never going to have an answer. And then guess what? That's on me. But if I figure it out, then that means great. I believe that as storytellers, and, and this is my opinion, that it is our responsibility to convey the information that we have into the world because it was gifted to us and thus we must gift it to others. And so that's what these are about. How can people find you if they want to talk with you further or use your services? So I'm on all the social medias as Michael Unbroken. My website and coaching information is at thinkunbroken.com. And then the podcast, Michael Unbroken podcast is literally everywhere. <laughs> hey, um, I will have all that information in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com. So you can go to the show notes for this episode and find him and his links. Michael, do you have anything in, in parting that you would like to say to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the most important things that you have to understand about life is the capacity and power of choice and action. And, and I wrote this on the back of my book and I've contemplated like tattooing it on me, but everything about life that I understand is summarized in this. Though trauma may be your foundation, it is not your future. Mm, well said. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Truly, you're a, a great fit for the audience, for the things we're learning and talking about. I appreciate you being here and sharing. Thank you, Lori. It's my pleasure. Think Unbroken was created out of necessity, as so many things are. 
And the beauty of those creations is that it provides resources for people who need them. What was he willing to do to become the hero of his story? And what are you willing to do to be the hero or the heroine that you want to be in your story? Living with intention, living on purpose, reframing the things that don't work for us, seeking for healing over staying stuck in the easy places. The journey to healing is long and difficult for even the toughest warriors. Childhood trauma and abuse takes so much energy to overcome. And one of the best tools in your arsenal is a support system that you can leverage when the going gets tough. Contact information for Michael and Think Unbroken is in the show notes as we discussed earlier. If you are in a space where healing is needed, that is not a place of shame. That's a place of growth. Create the life story that you want on purpose. You can do it. Thank you for being here today. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share us with your friends. We'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of the Love Your Story podcast.